I'm Alexander Price, and you're listening to Machine Elf Radio. First, I want to announce that we're going to make some exciting changes in the format. I'm happy to say Isabel has agreed to come on as a co-host for the show, and uh, it's been a lot of fun, you know, uh, uh, launching this um, the first four months or so, coming up and and figuring out what's going to work and and what people are interested in and what we're good at. And so we've made the decision that we're going to start moving towards a slightly longer format, but a little bit less often. So instead of a, you know, 25, 30 minute episode every week, we're going to start putting out an episode that's more like an hour long once a month. And uh, it looks like what people are most interested in and what's working best is this series that we've started doing on Neoplatonism as a you know contemporary uh, spiritual and philosophical practice. And so with that in mind, I'm also changing the name of the show. We're no longer going to be Machine Elf Radio. It's going to be Practical Neoplatonism. And that's what we're going to be working with for a while. Reading some of these ancient texts, talking about them, looking into the techniques, uh, and trying to understand how they apply to me and to you and to people today. Because I really believe this, and uh, I, and I think that uh, um, there are other people who do, and there aren't a lot of people, certainly in academia, who are um, exploring Platonism in such a personal, sort of mystical way, I think. Um, so I'm really, I'm really excited about it, and, uh, and I'm really uh, glad that Isabel is coming on in a more official role as the co-host, and we're talking to Greg to see uh, what his interest is going to be moving forward, how much of a commitment he wants uh, and feels able to to give to participate in this. So yeah, that's what's going to start happening. Um, As I mentioned last week, the next thing we're we're planning on doing is reading a book that Greg recommended called Chorology, which is about the Chora in Plato's Timaeus, and we're also going to read an article that he wrote about it, which, as I mentioned, again, like you can go to his uh, profile at academia.edu and search for, uh, um, you know, Gregory Shaw, the article that he wrote about the Cora, C-H-O-R-A, and hopefully we'll have him on within the next couple of weeks, so it'll probably be, you know, mid-February. We're, we might skip a week here um, and not post anything next week, and then the following week we'll be back with the, the new longer format. Yeah, so if anybody's interested in in, in, uh, in in reading along with us, that's what's coming up. Now, in the meantime, what I wanted to do before leaving, before retiring Machine Elf Radio, is to kind of look back and have a, a short retrospective moment where uh, I want to draw out a certain thread that I was developing and that... Uh, uh, that I was trying to build from episode to episode. And, you know, it wasn't every week, but it was a, a certain thread recurring through um, the past four months that is one common thread that I'm not sure it was really uh, explicit, that that's what was there, that there was one one topic. Um, yes, yeah, so I'm just going to take a little, uh, a few minutes here at the end of Machine Elf Radio to look back and um, to look back at that and try and articulate what it was. And I think there's a certain poetry, an unintentional poetry, about the way 
um, Machine Elf Radio started and uh, is now concluding, or um, I don't know if it's reincarnating. What is what is uh, what do Calvin and Hobbes say? Transmogrification. Yes, transmogrify. It's to transform, especially in a surprising or mag- magical manner. I couldn't have chosen a more uh, appropriate word. The show isn't dying, it's transmogrifying into practical Neoplatonism. But um, but there's a certain poetry in it, in the way that, uh, first of all, that I started, you know, talking about poetry and the kind of po- poems that the spirits write. And I said spirits, but if I uh, had thought about it looking back now, I would have interjected at some point that uh, what I mean when I say spirit is uh, interchangeable with what might be considered more conventionally religious people would call angels. You know, the songs and the voices and the singing of the angels is what I'm really talking about. Um, Not that we have a lot of religiously conservative members of the audience, I suspect, but but I do know that um, talking about spirits in certain... um, traditional religious circles will certainly make a lot of people's uh, the hair on their arms bristle a little bit and they don't like you know it's, it starts to sound very demonic or satanic which is uh, which is which is unfortunate because um, because this isn't you know because what I've been talking about isn't something to be afraid of but it's actually about healing and uh, uh, returning to I guess what I would say what I would characterize is returning to your first love you can uh, decide what that means for you, but uh, but I mean God. But anyways, I was I was starting to make this point that um, that there's a certain kind of symmetry to the way that the first episode was about Carl Jung and UFOs uh, and UFO as this like radically unintelligible object, like the UFO. The word the the letters actually stand for unidentified flying object. It's an object that you don't know what it is. That was what episode one was about. And now in the end, we're coming to uh, uh, transition through um, the concept of the Cora in Plato's Timaeus, and that's exactly you know what the Cora is is this like radical nothingness. This uh, sort of Buddhist shunyata emptiness, a sort of matrix, meaning uh, matrix in, in the old Latin sense of like the the mother and source of all existence, of all positive existence. So yeah, in that first episode, in that first episode, I started off talking about Carl Jung and UFOs and how he was so adamant about holding on to his point about saying, I am not saying that I believe in UFOs. I'm saying we don't have enough information to say anything about what they are, only that people are encountering something, and there just isn't enough information to say anything more about what they're encountering. And then beyond that, he tried to uh, uh, approach it as, uh, you know, as a psychologist and uh, to, to try and understand what the experience meant to the people who were uh, experiencing it. In the second episode, I talked about the issue of how you might differentiate, or if there is a difference between dream and reality. We talked about Descartes and the movie The Matrix, and I talked about Osho, and Osho's sort of uh, 
spiritual scientific experiments for um, becoming conscious in dreams. And just this question of, is there a difference between the kind of dream you have while you're awake and the kinds of dreams you have while you're asleep? So I'm going to come back to this in a few minutes. Um, Then the third episode was the one about the machine elves. At the time, I called them like spirits of nature. But now I'm saying I want to think of them more as like angels. I've mentioned before that I had a, a Sufi sheikh. And uh, I think this is a very uh, mainstream, conventional Islamic idea that all of uh, material existence is held in its particular way, in its particular appearance um, and form by angels. And that uh, every blade of grass, for example, has one angel that was created just to sort of bring that one blade of grass into existence. And I think that I could do a whole episode, if I was going to continue down this line, about angels and their music, or just angels angels and music and and singing and the songs of, of angels and, and, and their voices. Like, I can just point out, you know, if you're familiar with... Um, the Hebrew Bible at all, or uh, uh, even in, in also in the Gospels and the Christian scriptures, like when people uh, have visions of angels, they they often hear them singing the the song Kadosh Kadosh Kadosh, like Holy 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 Lord. That's that's their song. Okay, uh, so uh, so in that third episode, I was talking about learning to hear the voices of of the angels uh, speaking with you and learning the language that they speak, which is similar to learning the language of dreams, which um, uh, is a language that you learn by comparing dreams. Now, skipping ahead, like uh, um, episode seven was, uh, the, the name of the episode is Blessings in Genesis. I guess not too many people were so interested in that one, but uh, my intention in that one, I think this was where I was talking with uh, Rabbi Getzel. Davis at Harvard Halal, but uh, my intention there was to talk about the blessings that people, that I mean that God gives people, but also that people give their children in Genesis as a sort of continuation of what I was just talking about, about the songs of the angels and the machine elves, which is also related to this Australian Aboriginal idea, for me at least, of uh, the, how the ancestors sing reality into the form that uh, it has and the sacredness of the land as um, the product of the songs of the ancestors. And I don't think I have to uh, underscore the importance of land in the Hebrew Bible. Like, it's kind of all about um, the promised land, you know? So then in uh, episode eight, I spoke with Blue Dog, New York Street artist, where we talked about these conspiracy ideas going around on the internet about, uh, I mean, we started off with like what I think was a a fun idea about um, the reason that his, you know, that that things have gotten so weird over the past uh, five, six years is that like the way that everybody thought the world was going to end in 2012 with the end of the Mayan calendar and all that, like, Oh, maybe it did really end. And we just, you know, haven't noticed yet, but the, the world is becoming increasingly um, surreal because uh, it isn't real anymore. 
And I actually found while I was having that conversation with him that it pushed me in the opposite direction, especially when we started talking about fake news and conspiracy theories on the internet. And I actually started taking, finding myself on the uh, more conservative uh, side, arguing for the importance of fact-checking and um, and and arguing for the point that uh, this life is real and it's important to take it seriously. And the birth of the internet and amateur journalism and the death of traditional newspaper journalism was actually the beginning of the end of American democracy, in my opinion, which is not a, a, a new argument, but um, is one that I was hearing, you know, when I was uh, dating someone who was a, a, a newspaper editor and watching uh, that world capsizing, you know, maybe 10 years ago. So episode 9 was about songs in the Hebrew Bible. This was uh, the list of 10 shirot, or, which is the Hebrew word for songs, that are traditionally identified by the Jewish rabbis in the Hebrew Bible. And so I talked about uh, how those those songs in the Hebrew Bible are usually songs of praise to God, and they often occur at the end of some sort of defeat of the people's enemies, their adversaries, or, or uh, you know, whatever dark forces within or around them are uh, threatening them. I don't know if it's fair to characterize it as within them, even though that's the interpretation I want to give of it, that it's equally important to, uh, more important to be wary of the of our own tendencies to... Uh, to demonize others than to fight external adversaries. But having said that, I think the Hebrew Bible is pretty explicitly uh, focused on the more conventional sense of the word enemy. But then I talked about, you know, the connection between um, singing or songs and prophecy in the Hebrew Bible, where the the Torah itself is, is like a song, but certainly the Psalms, uh, uh, which are... are, are traditionally attributed to to David those are songs that and his prophecy you know was a musical prophecy he received it from musicians and the psalms a lot of them have musical directions in the first lines so so um so so that's what episode 9 was about was about those uh uh, that that theme of music and prophecy and and what they what music and prophecy have uh, have to do with each other and now I would want to um, connect that back with what I've just been talking about with episode three about hearing the voices of angels. Mm-hmm. I remember in that episode in episode three I quoted a shaman who who was uh, talking about how you the shamans learn their songs by hearing them sung by the spirits. So in the same way, I would say that we receive the light of the Torah into our hearts by hearing its music, and we can become inheritors of the prophets by learning how to hear the music and poetry and spirit, you know, that spirit of God that's inside of their songs of praise, their songs of praise of God. This is something I just think that's so beautiful, and um, you know, my I, I got to spend a year in Israel recently uh, studying 
Jewish mysticism with some amazing teachers, uh, one of whom is uh, Avraham Leader, who uh, is the founder of the Leader Minyan and just an amazing uh, Kabbalist and teacher. And um, one of these days, I should try and get him to do an interview here. So who knows? He doesn't really do Neoplatonism, so... So I don't know how all that's going to work, because I still wanted to interview Kimberly Patton, too, about uh, she had a, she wanted to come on and talk about an Eastern Orthodox tradition about Jesus. Um, I can't remember if he was climbing a tree. I think he was climbing a tree. But anyways, this, uh, this, this subject of um, the arts, generally self-expression through art, Art- artistic self-expression and its connection with uh, with prophecy is something that uh, the Avraham's really into, and a project that we're talking about trying to um, develop in a more concrete way, which I'm sure I'll tell you all about it in the future if you're still around and I'm still around and we're still doing this. And then in episode 10 was when Greg Shaw first came on and we started turning more towards Neoplatonism. But before that shift really fully uh, took place, there was one more episode, which was episode 11, where my friend Corey came on, who is a um, young genius studying deep philosophical things at Stanford at the moment. And so Corey and I got to talk. Uh, he was really interested in some of the ideas and some of those ideas that I kind of uh, um, introduced in the very first episode about UFOs and aliens and so on. And uh, yeah, I remember talking about the alien on the TV show American Dad. And so Corey came on and and, uh, and made a really interesting uh, case for parallels between the alien abduction phenomenon and ancient Greek stories about uh, the abduction of a young virgin girl by the... Uh, king of the underworld who, who, you know, kidnaps her and takes her into the underworld and makes her his bride. And the story is a uh, important component in the uh, the Eleusinian mystery of religion in its initiation ceremonies. So that was the kind of um, undercurrent that I wanted to draw out and draw listeners' attention to as we're shifting into a different into a different format and focus. And so what did I want to say about that? What did I want you to see? One thing is the um is the religious sort of presence is a fine word maybe bearing that is a kind of energy that charges the UFO, this unidentified object. This I don't want to say object even, this unidentified something. I also started off in the very beginning talking about the X-Files and Fox Mulder and his uh, desire to believe, his belief that the truth is out there, and the sort of religious quest for the truth that that he undertook on that show. A Gnostic sort of quest, a quest for knowledge, a quest for truth. And I don't know if they made this very explicit. I don't know... Uh, this isn't just about, you know, Fox Mulder, but I don't know if they made it, how, how explicit they made it. The show was on for a long, long time, but there was a certain emotional component to his uh, search for truth that was 
I feel about love, about homecoming, about reconnecting with a source that maybe you don't fully remember, but you just know intuitively that something's out there and it wants you to find it. And that it's not a story, it's not a dream or a hallucination or something that people experience who are on drugs and out of their minds. And maybe we liked Mulder because he was weird and that made him funny. I imagine at some point they also must have, um, the writers of the show must have observed the irony of a fictional character searching for the truth, which is a very philosophical quest and that is uh, a fantastic segue into the magical transmogrification of the show, which is coming up next. You know, the word philosopher, philosophy. A philosopher in Greek, the word means lover of truth. So in a sense, Mulder and those like him are the true philosophers, the ones who are trying authentically to know and to meet the truth that's out there, that great unknown, perhaps even unknowable, that sort of presence on the outer edges of perception that we can sense is there, maybe even watching and listening, but we're not sure what it is. There just isn't enough information yet. And I'm not trying to be coy. I think it's obvious that I'm talking about God, but um, really God is just another word. I mean, the word God is just another word, but it's a very, um, I think it's a unique one in the sense that like, uh, it's one word that if you think you know what it means, you're mistaken. I don't feel like I know God. I don't have access to uh, any different information than anyone else. I watch the same TV shows and have the same Torah. But I guess maybe that's what uh, I wanted to look back at in the earlier episodes so that it doesn't get forgotten that there are ways of knowing other than intellectual and that the, the wisdom doesn't come just from reading and analysis, but, uh, but hearing God's voice is, is as much about keeping your heart tuned in to the right kind of music. I don't know, and maybe um, remembering where you come from. Namah Shivaya